Welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Debbie Godfrey. And here's a bit about Debbie. She's known as the world's positive parenting teacher and host of the Positive Parenting Pep Talks podcast. Debbie has helped parents around the world for 30 years. She helps parents go from despair to hope with practical hands-on ideas. Parents that take Debbie's workshops leave ready to try new ideas and with their children. So without further ado, welcome Debbie Godfrey. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to chat. My pleasure, Debbie. And we're going to unpack positive parenting. What exactly is positive parenting and how important is that to you? Positive parenting is a way to discipline children, which builds their self-esteem while at the same time it corrects their misbehavior. So most of the old forms of discipline, like spanking and yelling and grounding are all what we call punitive discipline. So it's either instilling fear or threats and it causes children to be afraid. And when it's children are afraid, it sets off the fight or flight inside their brains and it shuts down all of their thinking brains. So if we could figure out a way to discipline that doesn't scare them, that actually allows them to keep their frontal lobe intact, we can do much better. And that's what positive parenting is. It's a way to discipline that builds self-esteem and at the same time corrects misbehavior. So what made you get into positive parenting, Debbie? Was it maybe um, you looked at your childhood and maybe you saw the way that you were personally parenting that just wasn't conducive or what was your aha moment where you felt led to just open this area and really dive into it? Yeah, I was actually at a battered women's shelter and I was, uh, I had three very young kids. All of us were there six, two, and one. And they said, you can't spank your kids. And I'm like, what, how am I supposed to discipline? And the counselors there helped, they had parenting classes and they helped me. And one in particular, Abby, I said, I don't think I can do this. How am I supposed to discipline my kids? And she's like, well, come, just come get me every time you think you need to, and we'll talk. And so the first day it was like 10 times. I was like, Abby, he's doing this and this. I think I need to spank him now. And we would talk about it and find that it, every time I could figure out a different way to discipline that helped my child learn to be respectful or responsible or do the right thing. And I didn't have to spank them or yell at them. It was something redirecting or some kind of repetition or something logical. And after about six or seven days, I wasn't calling on Abby anymore. And I was just blown away at the difference that it made. And when I left the shelter, I started a parenting breakfast club with my neighbors and we hired Abby to come in on Saturdays. We each chipped in $5 to pay her and we took turns at the houses doing coffee and donuts. And that's where it started. And about a year later, I decided to take a training of one of the classes I had taken. And because I just loved, loved learning. I mean, I was just feed me more because I mean, I didn't know there was so many more tools. You know, we only are raised with what we're raised with. And I, my my mom yelled a lot and my dad was, you know, iron fist and belts and that kind of thing. And so I just didn't have a lot of knowledge outside of that. And I was so hungry for this and it just felt so right to me to be parenting this way. So that's why I took a training and I, I got certified and I started my business positive parenting in July of 1994. 
Wow, congratulations. And that's incredible. I was blown away whenever you said after six to seven days, you didn't need Abby anymore. And I'm like, wow, that quick? Well, that was pretty intense. I mean, it wasn't that I knew everything, but my philosophy changed. So it was an awakening of, oh my gosh, no matter what they do, there's always a more intelligent response than spanking or yelling. And that was my aha moment. And that's something that I've continue to provide for parents that take my classes is, hey, if you get in a situation and you feel like you must spank your child, call me. I give the parents in my classes my cell phone. It's like, call me day or night. And if you, I'll walk you off the ledge. Now, if you already spank them, I tell them, don't call me. Just wait till the next class and we can talk about it. But I mean, any parent that doesn't want to spank, if I, if you're, you know, my client, I'm happy to do that. It's a, it's a, a pleasure to help a parent come down off of that because, because somebody helped me do it too. And so it just feels right to give that back. And that's amazing that you said that because I think it's also cultural too. Like depending on what culture you grow up into, that's how they're taught to, you know, discipline their children. Cause you know, um, for those who are religious or spiritual, they're like spare the rot, um, spoil the child. And I heard that, you know, growing up and, and, a family where it's Afro Latina and Caribbean, because, you know, my mom, like she would, you know, she would spank. And I think the one time she spanked me or tried, I ran out the back door to my, to my dad, he was at the neighbors or whatnot. And my dad was more of like, let's talk about it or whatnot. So she's like, your dad saved you a lot of, a lot of the times. And I was hands down a daddy's girl. And, but I knew the way that my dad loved me. And I knew whenever I was doing something that was not conducive or right in his eyes because he could just say something to me or the look that he would give me was far more receptive than a spanking. Yes, the spanking hurt and I learned not to do it again, but I was more keen to how my dad how my dad raised me. But then if I did something that was just really over the top where I knew that maybe a talking to wasn't going to get through me or maybe a spanking, the little love tap on my behind <laughs> would get me. But Debbie, I want to ask you, since you chose to raise your kids differently than your parents, whenever you got to a certain age, did you ever have a, you know, healthy discussion with your parents to tell them, I wish you guys would have did it this way, because these are the results that I'm seeing? Yeah, it's interesting you asked that. I, uh, by my parents actually, I was going through, you know, obviously I was in a battered women's shelter. So I was in some serious emotional trouble and I was in counseling and I did a lot of work on my childhood stuff. And, and at one point my, my parents, they live in the same town and they were very involved and, and very helpful. And at one point in this journey, I said, I said, I said, you, I was, I think they were watching the kids for me while I was teaching a class or something. And I said, you can't spank the kids. And I don't even know if they were spanking them. I just knew my dad would, if he needed to, like he was that, have that philosophy. And so I said, I said, if you know, you can't spank the kids. And, and so my dad's like, well, if we can't discipline them, then you can't bring them over. We're not going to babysit. And literally for eight months, my dad and I were in a standoff of, I'm not, you, if you're, if you say you might spank my kids, I'm not leaving them with you. And he's like, well, you can't leave them here if you're going to spank them. And uh, unless I could spank them if I need to. And then I had a class that was right up the street from their house and it was graduating. And the last night of class, uh, we off, often invite 
others to come, family members, or if one of the spouses isn't taking it, or the kids, and we have a family night, and then I, we do a graduation, I give people certificates and, and such, and so I invited him to my graduation of one of the classes I was teaching, and he came, and he heard the testimonials of all of these parents, and all of the things that they had learned, and all the ways they had changed, and we went home that night, and he said, okay, you can bring the kids over again, and I won't spank them, but you've got to show me what to do instead. <laughs> And he became my biggest fan after that. It was just beautiful. So we didn't have the chat in the way that you were saying, but that was the way it went down between my parents and I. And so even for all the years, I mean, it's, it was probably 20 or 30 years and my dad just recently passed. I just miss him so much. He was, like I said, my biggest fan, but all these years he would frequently say, I'm really sorry, bug. He always called me bug. I you know, I just didn't know any better. And so it wasn't through brute force that I got through to him. It was by accepting him, but also standing my ground on what was important to me in a loving and kind way, which is how I teach parents to work with their children anyway. Beautiful. And my condolences to your father. I lost my dad this, this week on Thanksgiving will make one year since he passed. <sighs> And he was my biggest fan. And I didn't think that it would be easy, but you know, for some apparent reason, um, I've been able to, you know, get through it and it's always ups and downs, but you just remember those memories. And I like the approach that you did with your dad. Cause I heard it's like, I could show you better than I could tell you. So you showed him by inviting him to the graduation and he heard the testimonials. The testimonials were packed with the results of you positive parenting and teaching others how to positive parenting. And so he he heard those and it was like, oh, okay. So even though you didn't have that one-on-one -on -one discussion, he heard it based on what other people who went through the program got from your teaching, which was a beautiful thing to have your father um, witness and be a part of. So I like that you took that approach. And then another question I had is, you mentioned that um, you invite the other spouses to attend the class. Why is it that you will allow one spouse and not both? Because both of them technically do raise the kids. So is there a reason why you do that? It's yeah, it's not my choice. It's parents that choose that. I mean, ulti ultimately, it's best if the parents take it together. Like that's the, the ultimate. Sometimes for childcare reasons or financial reasons or whatever it is, they may not do that. In fact, it's even better. I've had parents take with their nanny, maybe with a grandparent that's helping with the children. I mean, everybody who's involved raising your kids, we all want to be on the same page. My daughter, I live in an apartment above my one of my daughter's and she has three of my grandkids and her and her husband have taken my class and we're all, you know, I support them. So I'm not, even though I do what I do, they're the parents. And so I support them at hundred percent and we're all pretty much on the same page. I mean, she's a way better parent than I ever was, but at the same time, I have certain knowledge from what I've done over the years with parents and she respects that. And so, you know, I don't do anything to undermine them. I always have chats with them if I think that I have a concern and let them have the ultimate decision. One of these days, I think I'm going to start teaching grandparenting classes and how to be more supportive of your, your adult children raising your grandchildren, because I don't think everybody is that supportive. And it's hard on parents to have a really judgmental parent when they're just trying to survive. Uh, that will be amazing. And I'm telling you, Debbie, you would make a killing because there's so many times where, you know, parents 
they want to do the best for their kids. But when they send them to the grandparents, you know, the grandparents, like they don't keep them on the same diet. They let them have sweets. They take them to the store and get all these other things. And you're like, I told you not to do this, this or that. And then when the kids come back home, it's like you have to go through the process of deprogramming them and letting them know. But then the grandparents, they always want to overcompensate and give their grandchildren what they were never able to give their children, in my opinion. Have you seen that or experienced that? Yes. And I think it's it's contextual. I mean, there's if you have grandparents that don't see the children that often, I don't think that any of that matters. I think that your influence is much greater than a grandparent who visits once or twice or three times a year. I think it's when you're living in close proximity where you really need to keep good boundaries with each other about who's in charge of what. And so we have lots of discussions here. Uh, we have, a, a, like I said, a great work. The only reason I, I live in an apartment above them is because they want me here because I am supportive and I don't meddle and I provide more assistance and help and make it worth their while. And it's super fun for me. I love these grandkids. They're just, it's so much easier to be a grandparent. Let me tell you, I have so much more compassion for all of us parents because it's exhausting being a parent. It's exhausting and it's nonstop. And being a grandparent, I have all the time in the world to deal with the problems. <laughs> and so I'm doing the positive parenting all over again with my grandkids, but I have an, an um, such a greater amount of patience than I did when I was parenting. Uh, so that's one thing I love about being a grandparent. And all of you can look forward to that 20 or so years from now. <laughs> that is amazing. And I think, you know, being a grandparent, because I've seen when my dad was doing it, because he was the best grandpa. And then now that my mom is doing it, I could see the dynamic shift it whenever my dad passed, because the kids would always go to my um, dad. But now they go to my mom, because, you know, they're building a, a tighter bond with her because my dad was always an active one. But I think with the grandparents, the good thing is you could always send them back home when it's your kids. They're yours all day long. And all night long. Yes. And that's, that's the exhaustion. That's, that's why it's such a pleasure. And I'm so grateful that I have a life. My life is set up in a way that I can be here because, you know, she has three young boys. They're seven, five and one and a half. And she also has her own business and I love supporting her and nurturing her so she can work on her business and help out. You know, her husband is um, a solar installer. And so he's working mostly full-time, although he's a hands-on dad. He does just as much parenting as she does, if not more, um, and household work and everything else. So they really do a great job. And I love, like I said, being a part of a kind of a winning team here. And when you think about what you do, Debbie, do you partner with any schools? Because there are various schools that need to know more about positive parenting because sometimes parents, they're so busy trying to provide for their family that they just send their kids off to school and the school is trying to discipline the kids, but they can only do so much because of rules and regulations. Yes. So I, that's my business. I, I contract with schools and usually it's school districts. It's bigger because one school doesn't often have a, enough budget to, to hire me to do intensive classes. Although sometimes they do, it just depends on the location, but basically a school will hire me. And then uh, now it's anywhere because 
I used to travel and do that, go do parenting workshops. Now everything is on Zoom. So it's much easier for schools to hire me and I can provide parenting classes on Zoom. And they just have to call and contact me and we can talk about what they want for their parents and I'll provide a program for them. That is really cool. And then what are your top like seven parenting um, tips that you have? Or what does that look like whenever you are holding or teaching a class? Do you have like a beginner's class, an intermediate, and then an advanced? Or what does that look like in your world, Debbie? Yeah, not really in that sense. It's more of a baseline for parenting and discipline. So I have a 15-hour curriculum that I teach that is what I consider a baseline. And it covers everything regarding behavior and discipline. So from understanding why your children do what they do, and it's not, not because they're out to get you or they're trying to make your life miserable. It's because they have need, certain needs. All children need to feel loved, to feel valuable, to feel powerful, to feel like they have a place to belong, to experiment and explore. And so they use their behavior to get those needs met. And they're either going to get them met through appropriate behavior where we go, oh, you're so great, or inappropriate behavior where we get really mad. But both behaviors are serving the child to get those needs met. And what we, we parents don't understand is that certain things that we do help the children meet the needs. For, for, for example, powerful is a, a good example of this. When we yell at a kid to do something, or they, or we tell them to do something and they don't do it. And then we yell at them and we get all mad and crazy. The child feels powerful because they've caused us to lose our temper. And they're like, Ooh, this, this is pretty cool. All I have to do is to fire and she gets all mad at me. And wow, I feel pretty powerful. So we parents unknowingly support inappropriate behaviors by not responding effectively. And so that's what I teach is how can you respond in a way that supports appropriate behavior and discourages them from doing inappropriate behavior. Mm, okay. And then how do you factor in like positive talk with the kids, like affirmations and et cetera? Because I have seen um, just by going to the grocery stores and different stuff, like when people use curse words with their kids or they're just so frustrated and they just talk down to the to their kid. And then that kid, you could see their whole demeanor shifts and you're like, oh my gosh, but then you are a bystander and you never want to get involved in a situation that is not your business because then you're stepping over the boundary lines but how can you work on that with with someone or just kind of like give them a little love nudge or something without sounding so intrusive because sometimes it, it doesn't just happen at the grocery store it happens like in your own family dynamics whether it's you know you have someone that's in your family that's talking to their kid a certain way, but that's not your kid. So it's not your place for you to jump in. Yes. And, and that is a boundary and, and, and it's a boundary for a good reason, not just because I, I won't be intrusive because there, there are times where I've intruded if I've felt called. I mean, I listen to my heart. I listen, you know, to my higher power. And so if I'm called to, to do something, I will most of the time, any of us intervening will make it worse because the parent will be so humiliated and embarrassed that the child will, will suffer for that later, right? That, that a parent who gets humiliated or embarrassed in public and is already dysfunctional and doesn't really know how to manage the child's behavior is gonna take that child home and whoop them. I mean, that's, that's the baseline is what is gonna happen. And so definitely 
that kind of intervention, unless you're a professional, you know, a police officer or a social worker or something like that, there's not really much you can do. What I do personally is provide tons of love to that parent. So first I feel it and I just look more deeply at that anger and the abusive language because it is painful to watch. It's super painful to see a child being hurt emotionally and even physically. And it is perfectly legal. I mean, there's, you know, we can't, we can't do anything about that. So I just start sending that parent love. I start feeling compassion, knowing, you know, there by the grace of God go I. I mean, it's grace of God that I encountered what I encountered and my experience is what it is that I, you know, caused me to change how I, my trajectory as a parent. And then if I feel comfortable, I'll say, oh, it's rough. Like there was a mom this morning, a child was screaming and she was sitting on the floor with her child holding her and she was doing a great job. She wasn't being, you know, mean or anything. And I'm like, wow, you have so much patience. I really admire you, you know, just to give that mom some support in a public space with such a frustrating situation. Uh, maybe if it's in the mall it's and it's a mom dealing with a toddler and a baby, I'll say, can I hold, you know, something for you? If, you know, if there's, she's got a stroller or bags, or, you know, I might offer to help, but never would I offer an intervention that's not asked for. <laughs> mm, okay. That's a good tip. So what I heard is reaffirm that parent with positive affirmation and love versus intervening in a way that could be condescending or come across as judgmental, because then if you hide in that condescending behavior and that judgment upon that parent, that parent is later on going to go home and take it out on that child. And that child is already going through enough mental, mentally, whether it's emotional trauma or maybe even you know physical trauma because no one knows what's happening behind closed doors. But is there anything that you work with the kids on outside of the parents? So then if something were to happen, because sometimes parents put up a front and behind closed doors, you you never know what that kid is going through. Is there like a safe signal, a safe word or something where they could let you know that, hey, I need help? Yeah, I don't work with children at all. So I only work with the parents. So if it's a, it, you know, and even families that I have relationships with where I do work the children, work with the children, I have a relationship with them. So I wouldn't ever need to have the intervention separate. I mean, my relationship with my parent, with the parent is primary. And okay. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in situations where I'm being asked to help. So I'm not an interventionist. I'm not, I'm just a parent educator. So I, I, I mean, my degree is in sociology, but I'm not a social worker. Ah, okay. Perfect. So that leads me to a next question, Debbie. So do you ever partner with social workers? So that way y'all could kind of have a 360, um, a 360 working scope where you're working with the parents, they're working with the kids, and then you guys are creating some synergies or have you thought about that? <laughs> I would love, if there was a way to do that, I would. Uh, it's just not feasible financially. Um, those typically parents that are picked up by the system, there's not funds there for that. So I've been hired by DCFS places before to come in and do classes or, you know, do things like that. And I can teach in that way. Uh, but be, you know, doing one-on-one -on -one consulting like that is very expensive. And so, yes, I would love to do something like that. If, you know, if the funding is there, of course, I, you know, that's, that, that would be high, high investment work, obviously. And, um, 
you know, I mean, I, I think maybe I, I probably do that sometimes if I'm with friends or family or extended family or in situations, you know, there's a parent there that needs some help, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not that deep in the system. One of my first classes I ever taught was to a, um, a group of parents that had had their children taken away. So I was hired by the, you know, county organization to go in and teach mandated parenting classes where they all have to be there and they've got their arms crossed and they're sitting there like you can't teach me anything and they've broken their kids arms and all that kind of stuff and I just show up my little positive parenting da 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 and I'm just teaching away and it was beautiful because I could see many of them relaxing and starting to engage and you know because I am not I don't judge I mean like I said I I feel very grateful and blessed to have been to have had my path not take me down that route because I could have easily been an abusive parent you know easily all of us I think any of us can go off that edge and so I don't I'm not I'm not I don't have to be the judge I'm not the judge the jury I'm not the executioner I'm the parenting teacher and that's what I do I stay in my little zone my little happy zone of just loving everybody <laughs> and you know the more i love them the more they can love their kids is how i see it and so that's what i do amazing debbie and as we wind down i want you to leave the listeners as well as the viewers with one or two gems and remember the mission of gems podcast is to educate inspire and motivate and then after that close us out with saying who you are the name of your business and how they could connect with you on social media okay so it's interesting because the most important tool we have in my class is called a gem gem and it stands for genuine encounter moment and a genuine encounter moment is direct focused 100 attention you place on your child we do an exercise on this in the class and i'll just give you the brief rundown at the end of the first class parents are assigned to do their homework that week is to do one genuine encounter every day per child so every day you know your child is going to come up to you a hundred times a day and say mom 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 dad 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 come see come see so you don't have to run after them a hundred times a day. That would not be good. You have your own stuff to do. But one of the times that your child says, mom, come here, look, I want you to stop what you're doing and go see the world a hundred percent through their eyes. If you do this one time a day with each of your children, you will see misbehavior start to diminish immediately. It's amazing how much this works. And that's my, my gem for the day is a gem. <laughs> I love that. And then Debbie, let the listeners and viewers know once again, who you are, how they could connect with you on social media and your CTA call to action. <laughs> okay. So I'm Debbie Godfrey and I am positiveparenting.com is my website. Positive parenting pep talks is my podcast. It's three to five minutes a day. So it's a quick in and out, just get a tip for the day, start your day off in a positive way. You can find me on Instagram at positive parenting Debbie. And my call to action would be to either subscribe to the podcast, or if you want to do a really deep dive, go to my website and sign up for the self-directed class. So it's recordings of the actual class. You watch them at your own pace and in your own time. If you need extra support, then you can do personal coaching, but most parents, 80% 80, 80 of parents get a ton out of doing the self-directed class. So that's where I would start. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. You just heard Debbie Godfrey, and we talked about positive parenting. It all starts with you. You don't have to do what your parents did. 
you can take at your own beat and do what works best for your kids. Learn how to love them and see things through their lenses so you can bridge the gap and love and nurture your kids in a healthy homeostasis way where they feel like they are loved mentally, physically, and emotionally, and they're not scared of you. Because if they're scared of you, they're not going to be running to you. They're going to be running away from you. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Gems with Genesis Amaris Kent on your audio platform, and hit that bell on YouTube so you could always be notified when there is fire-fill content. Signing out, Genesis Amaris Kent and Debbie Godfrey.